1: And we are recording one night early, but our second week of the Minton Box theme for November 2021. And we are going to be talking about a Criterion film that Corey and I both own, uh, The Innocents, from 1961. Um, I was very excited to finally check this off the list, partly because I've been working through Martin Scorsese's uh, top 11 horror movies, and this was one of them. Uh, So I've got one left, which we'll talk about at the end, because that's for next month, or this month, but end of the month. Um, But before we get into our review of The Innocents from 1961, uh, we like to catch up with how things have been going and see what else we've been watching since the last time we recorded. So, Corey, how's it going? I've had a terrible week. Oh, well, that that sucks.
0: Yeah, I won't get into it, but... Yeah, I'm just kind of I've been done with 2021 for a while, like all of 2021. So yeah.
1: Well, it is almost over. Um, so that's a bonus. Yeah. That's still that's still lame. Um Sorry, you've had a bad week. Um I had I had a day off today uh because of Veterans Day and Oh, nice. It's kind of one of the weird school days cuz like we have school tomorrow. I hate that when we had school the last three days, but today was just like random day off, which not complaining. um, I I really embrace it. Although uh, it has made me feel like really off, like, like, especially later. Cause I I had nothing to do today. um, Like intentionally, (laughs) like I, I I hung out with some friends. I went running this morning, which I don't normally get to do in the morning. um, But like, at some point I was just like, it feels like I should already be asleep. And it was like, Really early, like it was way too early to go to sleep. But I'm like, it feels like I'm at that point where I should be going to sleep because I feel like I've done so much, um, which is a weird complaint. I'm not complaining. I was very happy to have the day off, but it still feels like, like maybe I should have done more today. I don't know. um
0: It's also weird though, because like, where my department's always closed on Thanksgiving, which is always a Thursday, duh. But going back to work the next day is just weird, and then. You have the next two days off. It just cuts
1: it up, and then we have five days next week. But then we're on Thanksgiving break the week after. Well, we we always have five days. Oh,
0: I was like, I misunderstood what you meant. I thought you meant you had like five days off in a row or something. And I
1: was like, no, but I will the following week. So I mean, you know, because of Thanksgiving. But
0: I have a four day weekend that week. I'm looking forward to it, or for Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, I am. Uh, you know, nothing, nothing major going on for me for Thanksgiving, but, um, I did find out one of my longtime friends, uh, that I, we i have known since college, which now is 20 years ago and that's crazy, <laughs> but, um, is, uh, he had moved away not long after we graduated college. Uh, he moved to Texas and I, I got to see him when I went to South by a couple of years ago, oh, um, right. but I, I just found out that he's moving back to Florida. Um, so I'm going to try to get to see him over Thanksgiving break, hopefully, um, and yeah, it's it's always good when friends come back.
0: But um, yeah,
1: you know, I, I feel like stuff happened. Well, you know, I'll tell a funny story, Corey. Um, so Wednesday, uh, I was supposed to like last Wednesday, I went and saw Eternals, um, at, uh, like at night. So I had to switch my workout routine because I was going to leave right from work and go straight to Eternals, and I wasn't gonna get back to like. Probably 11 because it was a really long movie, which is about right. I think we got home about 11. And then going to the gym that late is just not usually a great idea because I have to get up early. So last Wednesday, I got up at 5 a.m. and I worked out at home um, before going to work and whatnot. And uh, yesterday, because we're recording this on a Thursday, listener, um, I was going to be – I thought I had something I had to do Wednesday night again. Uh, I ended up not, but still, like, I didn't know I wasn't going to. So I I woke up at 5 with the intent to work out. So, Tuesday night, knowing I was going to get up early, like about about half an hour earlier than I normally would so I have the time to work out, um, I took z at like 10.30. And so, I wake up and I, I feel so tired. Like, I, I don't know if I've ever felt this tired. And um, I'm not a morning person, but usually when my alarm goes off, like, I'm awake, like, pretty much instantly now. And so I'm like, I don't know why I feel so tired. And like, I always, I, I try not to, but I do drink an energy drink, especially before a workout. So I like, I, I went to the fridge. I'm like, man, I really need this energy drink. So Like I crack open the energy drink. I take a sip and I, I kind of wander into my uh, movie room to get my workout stuff. Cause I have like a yoga mat and um, like a kettlebell and I'm doing a high, high intensity. And um, my Fitbit uh, charges on my recliner. Like I have a, Outlet on my recliner, and I just keep the little Fitbit charger there. So I, I had put it on the charger the night before, and I go to grab my Fitbit, put it on, and I'm like shaking my head. I'm like, I cannot believe I feel this tired. I don't understand what's going on. And I I go to start messing with my Fitbit, and I catch the time, mm. and it's 30.
0: No, I had a feeling you were up much earlier than you thought.
1: Yeah. A, a, <laughs> So, I, I'm like, something's wrong with my Fitbit. So, I go to grab my phone, which is not in my pocket. And I'm like, where, where did I put my phone? And I realized my alarm never went off. I apparently dreamt my alarm going off, and I really had to pee. Like, that was the other, like, I'm like, I have to pee really bad. So, for like half a second, I debated whether I just drink the energy drink and work out at 1.30 in the morning. Because I it's already open. But then my brain's like, just put it back in the fridge and go lay down, you moron, which is what I did. And I'm very glad. But uh, I, I woke up again at like three, like drip, I dreamt I overslept my alarm again. Like, so it was a, a very restless night two nights ago. Um, but I did get up and work out. Uh, I did finish my energy drink in the morning after. Like it was surprisingly stayed carbonated, even though it was in the yeah. fridge for like three hours. But, um, but yeah, that was like it was it was crazy because I was sure it was five. Like I distinctively remember my alarm going off and I guess I got up to pee, but like my brain like just went to autopilot, like, all right, time to work out. And yeah. Uh, and I, at one point I heard like, like Taylor, she, you know, they're, they stay up later than I would, I think she should kind of thing. But I I heard her like still awake. And I I'm like, why is she up at five thirty? You know, didn't say anything. And she heard me, didn't question why I was up at one thirty. Um, but
0: just like dad serious he's very dedicated
1: (laughs) so yeah that was that was my chaotic uh tuesday evening um that's terrible like technically wednesday morning i don't know but yeah so i did i did go back to sleep i did get my workout in and uh and then my wednesday night was open and i could have just worked out at my normal time and none of that would have happened but you know sometimes uh it's whatever but um so that's you know you've had a bad week i had a silly week because that was a silly thing that happened but um, i would have been
0: so mad because i don't go back to sleep
1: i was worried i wasn't going to be especially because i i had taken a sip of the energy drink oh Um, dang and so i'm like is this gonna like not let me fall back asleep or like i was a little restless but i i I woke up feeling fine like so i got enough sleep or whatever but i was a little grumpy yesterday now i think about it though that's probably why um like things were getting on my nerves a lot faster than they normally do at work. Oh no, um, that's not it's not great when you work with high school kids. You don't want things to get on your nerves easily because they're gonna try. They're gonna try to get on. your nerves. So, but I I was fine. I was fine. Um, yeah. So that's the week. Uh, you want to get to what we've been watching?
0: Uh, yeah. I have a very short list, but you can go first.
1: No, no, you knock it out, and then I'll I'll power through all of mine.
0: Okay, I it's really short. So watching. Say by the bell on my lunches, guys. We've gotten to the spring break part, or whatever break part it is, and it's just not as good anymore. It's fine. But for Zach. <laughs> um, and then Bill and I went to the movies on Sunday to see *The French Dispatch*. Oh,
1: yes. Which I,
0: I really enjoyed. Are people hating
1: that movie? It's up and down. Um, a oh, lot uh, oh, what they have to say. <laughs> well, <laughs> Matt didn't love it, but I don't think he, he didn't like it. I think he just found it kind of loose. Um, And I do, I don't think it's his best by any means. Um, Although I did see someone claiming it was his best. I'm like, that's insane. Like, yeah. Um, But to each our own. Right. Um, For me, the thing that I felt like the most disconnected was because of the vignettes, like because of them being like an anthology. Um, I didn't have that attachment to a character like I have in a lot of his other movies. Um, like that's what I love Rushmore because I really get attached to both Bill Murray and the kid, and that, and then, um, you know, Grand Budapest Ho- Hotel. I'm I'm into all of the main characters, like you know. So like having it just be like we're only with them for this little bit. Not to say though, I was very much into them, but like at the end of the picture, I didn't feel like a closeness to a specific character. I really
0: character. loved so and so, like that.
1: Yeah. Yes. Like uh, again, I I actually. I, I enjoyed the middle short the most with, uh, Timothy Chalamet and, um, Francis McDormand. He's so great. Oh, he, I loved getting to see him have fun. Cause he's so often like cast to play like bitter, like dour characters because he's like the hipster, you know, cool guy. And he's here, he's still playing that kind of guy, but he's like, that mustache. It will, and, but he's like being silly and like big about it. And I had a yeah. blast with that. Um, it was almost like making fun of his the archetypal character he gets cast as and I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um so yeah, I, I definitely liked it. I gave it uh four stars here on Letterboxd and my review actually I think I pu- published yesterday. So, you know, check that out, listeners. Oh, is that it though?
0: Um, and then yeah, then this movie. I've been really it's been rough.
1: So I um after watching I my week started with the Innocence. Like I woke up early Saturday and I, I ran. When I got back from running, I threw the Innocence on. Um and I I was uh I won't say what I thought about it. I almost just said what I thought about it. Um I, know. <clears throat> I went from the Innocence, uh went to Lakeland because I found out that Lakeland had both Spencer and the French dispatch. And so I caught both of those back-to-back. I already mentioned French Dispatch. I also really like Spencer. Chris um, Stewart is fantastic. Uh, I, I knew... Go ahead. Oh,
0: I've heard such like very... Oh. You know... So
1: I, I was expecting you know. a biopic, right? Like a very straightforward biopic. I didn't know anything about the movie except that Chris Stewart was Princess Diana. So I had no other frame of reference to what it was. It is three days at the what I think becomes the end of her relationship with Charles. And uh, it's kind of like a horror movie at moments. Um, oh, because you're in her mind at times. Like, so like you don't, not everything you see is actually happening. And it's very clear when that occurs, but there are scenes that are troubling because of that. Um, Which I think is what makes it so engaging though, because it isn't just a straightforward biopic. Like you are, Experiencing what she was feeling and it makes you feel a little claustrophobic, even though you're in this giant like cavernous mansion um and like the the hatred that she, she seems to be feeling from the royal family and like it it's it's intense uh at times uh so I actually really enjoyed it and it's a gorgeous movie for a lot of reasons too um there's some uh great performances overall, but yeah' it's definitely heavy on Stuart and she nails it um i and i didn't know a lot of like I we I was alive when Princess Diana was you know there and like I remember being a very a kid and like people caring about the royal wedding I didn't I was like way too young to care about it but I remember when she died like so but I don't I didn't really know a lot about her life so like even though you don't get much here um I got enough that I was really intrigued and interested and I've heard like if you've watched The Crown that like the most recent season of The Crown it's about her or like she's in it um that it, this isn't going to give you anything new, but I haven't watched the crown. So for me, this was, it was new and I really liked it, but I'm um, going to see
0: it. I've just seen like very people hate it.
1: Or... Matt, uh, Matt is seeing it on Friday. We are covering it for uh BAMP next week. Um, so I am kind of curious uh, to talk to my British counterpart about the old Royal, um, you know, and his, the this, uh, Pablo Lorraine's take on it. Uh, Pablo Lorraine directed Jackie which got Natalie Portman, the uh, Oscar nom a couple of years ago. And I've still not seen that, but apparently that's also more in line with the way Spencer is. And I just assumed it was like a normal biopic. So Now I really want to watch Jackie. Cause um, so I'm like, well, if it's like Spencer, I might be like way more interested than I, w- I was before. Um, but so th- those are I, my Saturday. I saw those three movies on Sunday. I went uh, hard on John Carpenter because I'm trying to make sure I complete his whole filmography um, for the blank check podcast. Cause that's what they were, far into it so I I watched Memoirs of the Invisible Man not a good movie uh, I've watched Escape from LA for the first time there's a scene where uh, he has to sh- shoot a half court basketball shot or he'll die um, that's the zaniness of that movie and then I watched uh, Ghosts of Mars uh, which I thought I'd seen but I had not um, which is essentially Assault on Precinct 13 on Mars uh, it's kind of entertaining though so it's not a i wouldn't say it's a good movie but it's definitely very watchable um there's some crazy stuff lots of gore um but then i uh i watched my criterion uh of memoir memories of murder i cannot get that titled right to save my life but that is an early bong joon ho film um i uh, he has become one of my favorite directors uh memories of murder is really good uh it's the more I've sat with it, the more I think I love it. Um, I also did watch the Every Frame of Painting, uh, which is an old but amazing YouTube channel. Um, but he has a breakdown of, of how to shoot ensemble through this movie. And it's it only made me appreciate the movie even more. Um, I rewatched The Rock, which I probably haven't seen The Rock since like 1996 or 97 or so. Uh, that's Sean Connery, Nicholas Cage, uh, Michael Bay movie uh, with Ed Harris as the villain. Um, it's it's man, it's good. Like it might be my favorite Michael Bay movie. No, it's not. It's no. I take that back immediately. Bad Boys is my favorite Michael Bay movie. Um, I love Bad Boys, the uh, the first one. I hate the second one. But um, The Rock, very watchable. Sean Connery's great in it, and Nicholas Cage. Is like right before he goes full Nicholas Cage. It's like just at like he's kinda of developing the the Cage uh persona and it's like you see it coming. Like there's a whole thing where he refers to himself as a beetle maniac, and he collects vinyl. Like it's just there it's there. But it, it's tempered. So it's very very enjoyable. Um He was
0: really good in pig
1: guys. Oh, he's great He is a great actor. He just goes wild sometimes. Like uh there, <laughs>
0: Like, I probably would if I
1: could. There's a line in The Rock where he says something about Zeus's butthole. I can't even remember how it comes up, but he's like, it's the way he, like, yells it. He's like, like, Zeus's butthole. And you're like, what is happening? Like, how is that a line in this movie? Um, But then uh, the last thing I watched was today, um, right after. I I hung out with some friends early, and then uh, I had about a two-hour window. And I've been wanting to watch a Netflix original called The Harder They Fall. Um, which is a new western that stars a ama- mate. This cast, Corey, this cast is nuts. Um, it is Idris Elba, uh, Jonathan Majors, uh, Regina King, Zazie Beats, Delroy Lindo, Lakeith Stanfield, um, Dion Cole. Those are like the bigger names, but then RJ Siler. um, I didn't realize Damon Williams Jr. was in it, uh, e- uh Edie Githag. Oh, I'm saying that name wrong. Githagi. Um, and there's one more Danielle deadweiler. Um, that are all like major characters, but it, it is a Western um, all black actors. If you hadn't caught on to that, but uh, what's become more and more abundant is like, I think one in every four cowboys or outlaws or something along those lines were black. And up until recently, most Westerns never depicted that, right? Like it, if you watch Westerns, they're predominantly white guys. Um, And so this movie, the, it's not based on a true story, but all of the characters were real life people um But they've written them into like you know a more more engaging, connected story. Like some of the characters, not the characters. Some of the uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Some of the characters were from substantially different time periods. Like within like like odds are they didn't meet each other, kind of thing. Like one was born before the Civil War. One was born right at the end of of the 1800s. So like there's the likelihood of them being like associated the way they are in this movie. I would say almost impossible. Like the like they'd be like a hundred years old hanging out with like a 20 year old. Like probably not in the old west you know what i'm saying but um this movie is wild uh the music is anachronistic so like they have like uh there's Reagan oh. music and hip-hop music um that is really cool uh john of the majors has kind of come out of nowhere um last black man in san francisco was the first thing i saw him in and he everything he's been in since he's just been amazing idris is almost always great um he's so good in this regina king just come on like the the woman was not appreciated enough and now we're finally getting her to be appreciated Zazzy beats too every time she's in something i'm just like this woman is amazing let's give her more roles i am a huge lakeith fan um he's not in this enough to be fair but he his scenes are awesome i have grown to really love westerns and this movie just hits everything uh i love it so much um I'm probably going to rewatch it. I might, I only gave it four and a half stars as of now on Letterboxd, but I'm, I'm like, I don't really know why. I'm actually, I'm changing it to five right now because I can't think of like, what didn't I like? I, I loved this movie. Uh, it's, it's great action. The, it does like the blood and stuff is very CG for a lot of it, but considering the, the horrible tragedy that we saw with Alec Baldwin, um, on the set of Rust, I'm kind of glad to see that a lot of it is CG because, That means they took safety precautions, something that now a lot of uh, productions are saying they're going to use rubber guns and do all the bullets and stuff in in post. So there will never be live ammo on a lot of sets um, moving forward uh, to avoid these types of incidents. Um, It's a new director. Uh, His name is um, Jameis Samuel. And he's only looks like he's only done one other movie. That was barely a feature. It was fifty-one minutes, uh, which looks like it was also a western, though. So I hope he gets to do more work because this this movie is exceptional. Check out "The Harder They Fall" on Netflix, guys. It is worth your time. It's a little long, uh, especially by Corey Standards. It's just over two hours. Um,
0: (laughs) Should make that an official like target or an official score, I guess, of movies on the podcast. Length by Corey Standards, you know. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you.
1: No, 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 uh, not not at all. I think it is a good point. Um, yeah, I really, really, uh, yeah, just I, I say check it out and um, uh, give it a watch. Ooh.
0: I remember like seeing this somehow. Like, I don't remember if it was one of the things where they like have it kind of advertising when you have Netflix up and it kind of is scrolling in the background mm-hmm. or something, but. I just feel like so much stuff gets lost in Netflix because quantity, 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 and I
1: don't know. It was, uh, I think Netflix is currently touting this as the the number one watch thing on Netflix. So it is right now going to be quickly at the top of people's list. But yeah, like you were saying, it will fade very, like the next thing will drop and then suddenly it's gone. Um, But yeah, um, I, I, Man, I really, really enjoyed this movie and it was one, um, sometimes, especially, I wasn't sure if I was going to try to review this or not. I, I may end up writing a review, but, um, I, I, if I'm not planning on reviewing something, I'm often quick to like end up on my phone at, at moments or whatever. And the, this movie was like, no, no, you don't need your phone. And I'm like, you were right movie. I'm, I'm here for this. Uh, so I love when a movie on at home can keep me engaged like that. Cause it's always a good sign that it, uh, yeah, you know, I probably would have enjoyed this on a big screen if it was an option, but it, it's not. So little screen did, did quite well. Nice. And the only other thing I've watched, uh, I, I've only watched the first three episodes, but I started after watching The Innocents, I started watching um, The Haunting of Bly Manor. Uh, which is, uh, I have watched The Haunting of Hill House um, because I watched The Haunting earlier this year. And I was like, oh, I want to, I guess it's time to check out that Netflix show. And so I watched The Innocence and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot this was based on The Turning of the Screw. And then I realized that so it was The Haunting of Bly Manor. And I was like, okay, or I'm sorry, The Turn of the Screw. I keep messing that book title up. But um, so I've watched the first three episodes. I find the show very interesting and how they're kind of approaching the story. They are very, um, interested in building the backstory of the characters like you you go to like see miles at the school something that's only alluded to in the innocence um and then uh the two characters who you learn about in the innocence who are no longer with us so to speak um you get like whole backstory episodes on their relationship and stuff at least episode three i've only watched three episodes i'm acting like i've seen the whole thing but there's i think it's just a nine episode series um so i'm looking to get through the rest of that um probably i wanted to i was going to try to get through it before we recorded and it just didn't happen so uh but i will be watching the rest of it um probably before the next time we record so
0: nice i love that show i want to rewatch it
1: ah oh, so you've you've seen it so I, now i feel even more inadequate um nevertheless uh
0: i really like the director
1: yes he's uh also did uh midnight mass right yeah yeah, which has got a lot of a lot of buzz, which I also wanted to watch, but so I don't that to Um, Well, with that, I think we're up to the movie of the week. So let's talk about the stats for The Innocents. As I noted, this is from 1961. It has a 7.8 IMDb user score, but an 88 Metacritic score. Um, the synopsis, according to IMDb.com, is a young governess of two children becomes convinced that the house and grounds are haunted. Uh, directed by Jack Clayton. Based as I noted this uh, on the story, "The Turn of the Screw," written by Henry James. Um, screenplay credits go to John Mortimer and William Archibald. Starring uh, Deborah Kerr, Peter Wingard, Meg Jenkins, Michael uh, Redgrave, Martin Stevens, Pamela Franklin as Flora, um, Isla Cameron. Who I, for like a minute I was like, is Anna like even there? Because they they said Anna's name a couple times, and I did not remember seeing Anna. And then like she did show up, I was like, oh okay, there she is. Um and then uh Clitty Jessup as Miss Jessel. That's pretty much the whole cast there. Um But uh we we have this on Criterion, which I think is the only way to currently see this outside of getting it on another thing. I don't think it's on digital anywhere. Um I do think it might be on the Criterion channel, um, which that seems to rotate quite a bit, so it's hard to really know for sure if it's currently on the Criterion channel, but um I, I didn't get into any of the special features on uh, the box set. Really, um, everything was a little long, and I was just like, I don't. I was go- I knew I was going to go watch the other movies that day, so I I didn't get into the the special features. But um, I love the look of this movie. That was actually like pretty early on. Uh, I noted the 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 deep focus, um, which felt reminiscent of like Citizen Kane, and uh, the use of really using the screen, like it was the framing and the, the, the staging of each scene was so important to how the atmosphere would play out and how the, uh, the horror would come in. Um, I really enjoyed watching this movie. Um, It's one that I, one, I immediately was like, well, I totally understand why Martin Scorsese has this on his top 11 list. Um, Just everything about it to me was very, very uh, enjoyable. And, um something I could I could easily see rewatching frequently. What about you, Corey? What were your thoughts on the innocence?
0: So I love the Haunting of Bly Manor. But I wish I had not seen anything else that was based on the turning of the screw before seeing this. I they're not the same stories, but I didn't realize I forgot that the Haunting of Bly Manor was based off of that. So when they're like Miles, Flora, you know, in the beginning of this movie, I'm like, "What, Miss Jessel?" You know what I mean? I was like, "Oh no!" I, you know what I mean? I yeah. feel like I, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it, but I would have maybe enjoyed it a little more if. And also, I don't know if anyone else saw the horrible movie from 2020. I think I can't remember exactly. No, it was what.
1: a year before that. Um, oh,
0: 2019, The Turning. Yeah. With Finn Wolf Wolfhard, is that his name? And
1: uh, Brooklyn Prince from the Florida Project, and Mackenzie Davis, uh, not Mackenzie Davis. is it Mackenzie Davis from Tully? And um, uh, I I only saw part of that. Um, oh, it was terrible. What was it called? The Turn, The, the Turning. Place? Um, so I was at the theater watching it, and my wife had I can't remember if that was the time something hit her in the head. Or, yeah, it was. It was uh, something hit, fell off like a top shelf at her her employment. Oh, I'm sorry. It is 2020. Really? That must have been right at the beginning of the year then because I definitely saw it in the theater.
0: Yeah, I think that this was one of the last movies, if not the last movie we saw before our theater shut down.
1: I saw Bloodshot last. Um, but <clears throat> uh, Oh, that's fun. Sean Baker has a review on the Letterboxd of the turning because sean baker directed florida project yeah and that's what it says he's like i had to support brooklyn prince um but so i was in the in the movie and like i was only maybe 20 30 minutes into it and um i got like the my the phone ringing and kathy's like i'm like you know what this is one of the movies i'm okay with walking out on so uh i never bothered to go back um i wasn't hooked on it right away and then i heard bad things from everybody else i was like yeah yeah i'm just gonna accept that i'm not gonna see this movie um Technically, I, I actually have it listed as watched, but I did not get to finish it, and I'm okay with that. But I, I I do understand what you mean. Um, If you have a predisposition towards a story, you've already got, like... I, I feel like the best example is uh an experiment I kind of noticed with Little Women, with Greta Gerwig's Little Woman. People who had not seen the 1994 one seemed to really like the Greta Gerwig Little Women. And people who saw the 1994 one... Seems to really dislike Greta Gerwig's take on it and would like always go, Oh, the 94 one's so much better. And I, uh, I, it doesn't always work that way. Cause like I've seen all of the Spider-Man movies. <laughs> I still think Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man and, um, but I do understand that. Like if once you kind of have a favorite of a take, I think it's harder to be like won over by other versions of it because like in your head, it's like, well, I'm going to compare it to the other thing. And it's different. Like you said, it's not going, it's not trying to do the same thing. Um, not to mention, I mean, this is a hundred minutes where you have a nine episode series. Like you're not going to get the backstory in this movie that you get in the series. But um, I, I just, I love a lot about the story. I do find the story very compelling because there is the oh. Amb- uh, I guess we should hold yeah, off. Yeah, I feel some like
0: I know what I want to say. I can't really say now that I know that you're watching "Haunting a Bly Manor."
1: Oh, but, I'm not worried about that. Um, but I, also, yes, we're not but in spoilers yet. Yeah, we're not in spoilers yet for this movie, so we should hold <laughs> off on that. Um, but um, did you have any actual complaints outside of that connection?
0: No, I, I just that's all. No, that's my only mm. real complaint about this movie. I have one other small one, but I'll talk about that in
1: spoilers. Gotcha. Um,
0: but I really did like the movie. I just wish there would have been more surprise. I I wish that I went into this knowing absolutely nothing.
1: I, one of this thing, I don't think this is a spoiler. I, I want to give a little more before we get into spoilers. Uh, one, especially if you haven't seen this or you don't own this movie, um, before we get to spoilers, I would recommend this as a blind buy criterion, especially right now because right the right Criterion's now. on sale. Exactly. Um, and just the look, the print of this movie is really strong and the, the visuals are essential. I mean, that's one of the reasons this movie to me stands out is it just looks amazing. It is black and white, um, which of course is, should be noted as that is a choice because it's 1961 color film has been around for 22 years at that point. Um, So it it is a choice to shoot black and white, um, which works really well for this though.
0: I'm kind of surprised because I did watch a few uh, like videos or reviews on it, and the director was made to, I don't know the technical terms, so nobody come at me, but like the wide... Cinemascope. Yes, he was made to shoot in that. So I'm kind of surprised that they, I wonder if that was the studio's decision to have it in black and white, or if the director got to have that choice. Because if it was his choice, I'm kind of surprised that they let him, you know, have that.
1: Yeah, but I mean, to me, the Cinemascope really works because of the use of the frame, because he is, like, oh. I don't, I, so, because it's wide, he, I think, um, if you saw, you saw Hateful Eight, uh, Tarantino <laughs> shot in, I think, this division, if I remember correctly, um, it, was some, it was, whatever Tarantino used, which I'm now not feeling that's the right name, but, it was only using like four or five other movies and it's an extreme wide uh, aspect ratio. And he then shoots the movie though, inside a, a house, right? Like 90% of hateful eight is inside that, that cinematography style was designed for Westerns to be shot outdoors. So you have all these landscapes, and, but he chose to do it in the house so that you're always looking at everyone's in focus in every frame. So like you always have two or three characters, but they're, stage so like ones in the background so your eyes drawn to the one closer to the camera but if you're paying attention there's stuff happening all the time and i think that's kind of what you get with the innocence here is you have this deep focus and like you're in a close-up but there's stuff in the background that you just notice like something will just creep in or you'll see the like the reflection change and it's what makes it so haunting is because you are in close your eyes drawn to the face but then if you're paying attention or just out of the corner of your eye, you see the scary thing, which is when you think about like real life and a lot of times when people who do believe in ghosts or monsters, whatever they say, they see something out of the corner of their eye, right? It's always the periphery. It's
0: always peripheral.
1: yeah. And that's what I think really works with the horror here too, is because you are looking at someone close to you as filling the frame, but then in your periphery, you're seeing that because of the wide angle uh, aspect ratio, you're just getting so much focus and there's some really cool shots where like she's sniffing like a flower and in the background you see flora like there's just these really cool little things um throughout the the shots that whether or not it was uh jack clayton's decision i think he used the the style very very well i think he was able to make the most of it because of what he was shooting with so um and with that like i really think if you haven't seen this movie um it's or if you're like me and really didn't know much about it prior to reading Martin Scorsese's list, um, I, I say it's a blind buy. It's just, it's really, really good. Um, I, I'm i very happy. Like I, I, I don't think I've, the criterion I own, I think there's only one that I wish I hadn't bought. Um, I think most of them I'm very happy with. And Something this one, oh. what, what's that?
0: Did we buy that? No, we saw it on the Criterion Channel. Thank that was Criterion.
1: Yes, thank goodness. I, I have, I you got me uh, at my request. I asked for Master Builder, which was a, the like the last Jonathan Demme film, and um, yeah, yeah, it's not a it's not a good movie. Um, it's quite boring, and I don't know why I want to watch it to us. But I did that because I was listening to the Blank Check De- Jonathan Demme series, and the only way to watch that movie was on the Criterion. Um. Then I was really mad, though, because I found out there was a box set that it came with uh, dinner for Andre, my dinner with Andre. Um, and I would have rather have gotten that because I really like my dinner with Andre. And I would I'd, love, I'd be happy to own that. And I wouldn't feel so bad about having Master Builder. But instead, I just have Master Builder. And I'm not thrilled about it. But um, anywho, uh, the Innocence Criterion, highly recommend... Um, just because uh, the movie itself is great, but also the, I think the print and the special features seem really cool. I just haven't dove into those. Uh, something I really need to take more time to do. I, that's the one thing I haven't utilized enough of uh, with the Criterion is really like watching all the cool features that come with it. But um, let's get into spoilers for The Innocents.
0: Guys, from here on out, you're going to talk about this movie in great detail. You have been warned.
1: So what was uh, you were apprehensive to get into something, if I recall?
0: Okay, so um, so maybe if you haven't watched The Haunting of By Manor, fast forward a minute, um, so, and I feel bad because you're watching The Haunting of By Manor, like
1: yeah, but I'm I'm I feel like I have the the gist of it, so
0: okay, um, so I love that show miniseries. I don't know what it is, um, I love it, but it is. Where this movie is very ambiguous, yes, and we don't really know what's happening. <gasps> you know, well, I'm going to make that decision for myself. Like, yeah, I
1: can well, see, exactly.
0: I can see two different, two different possible outcomes to the to the movie, but in the haunting of Bly Manor, I feel like it's pretty straightforward with what's really going on. Like, okay.
1: it, it,
0: it's really a haunting, you know. The the house is haunted so and then like the turning of uh the turning i think was very like eh, it made me feel like it was the governess you know in that movie also so i feel like i feel like this movie does a really good job all over the place like from the beginning to the end like setting us up and kind of questioning what's really going on and it's not Sorry, sometimes I don't enjoy that, but I think in a movie like this, it works very well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I'm all for. Well, I don't need a movie to be ambiguous, but I am all for leaving it up for the audience to make decisions. Um, especially with something like this, where there is this kind of uncertainty, and it, I think that adds, um, especially knowing it's the what atmosphere. the, right, and knowing that the book is called "The Turn of the Screw," um there is that kind of embedded, like, is this person going crazy, you know? Um, and then even, like, with the uncle and with Miles, we're both told that like, they have silver tongues and that, um, you know, they can manipulate and trick you. And so, like, you're already kind of on edge because of that. You're like, well, are you are you telling me that, like, this is all a setup kind of thing? And then, like, the thing that I feel like the turning did um, – so bad right out the gate is there is no ambiguity um like Finn Wolfhard is like he's like no he looks like a a jerk like he looks like a punk from the get-go and like not normally like I'm not saying that of the actor but in the the turning I just immediately was like well yeah these kids are That's terrible true. like everything about it felt overwrought like they were just like let's make this look and feel as much like a horror movie as possible we'll make Brooklyn Prince be creepy and we'll make Finn Wolfhard look you know gothic and emo right away so that you suspect him of doing things and like he's he's so much older looking too than miles in either the ha- haunting of blind manor or the innocence like the word the innocence definitely wouldn't have worked had they tried to like call it that um and they they just went so hard on the horror like right away like all the tropes are just embedded in the turning like i and again i didn't even finish it but when i'm watching this movie it's like no, no. See, these kids seem sweet and innocent and normal. And I think that they capture the same thing on the Haunting of Bly Manor. You quickly see that there's a darker edge to Miles and like the Haunting of Bly Manor compared to even the innocence. Like, I feel like they really play it. But there's something about his sweetness that immediately put my my guard up. I'm like, that kid's trying to hide something like it doesn't feel sincere. Like Flora felt sincere. in this in this movie where miles i was like "Mm -mm, no i don't i don't trust this kid like whatsoever um and then like poor uh miss gross um which there's an interesting uh meg jenkins plays miss gross and then uh she played miss gross again in a tv movie of the turn of the screw
0: i didn't realize it was a tv movie
1: uh I could be wrong. I feel like I read somewhere that it was a TV movie. It's 10 years later and I'm fairly confident it is a TV. Uh yes, one of the reviews on Letterboxd indicates immediately that it was a 70s TV movie. Um and it's probably like BBC uh based on like the actors on it, but mm. I'm sure it's not good though because it's like the, the it's it's called the title of the book versus like The Innocence is clearly like yes, it's based on the book, but it's doing its own kind of interpretation which is always the way to go like you don't want to try to just recreate the book because you you just can't the book is going to have the ability to give information in a way different than a, a movie so you have to take it and run with it accordingly but...
0: well the book it's a novella i think it's only the yeah. mid- copy i was looking at is only 120 pages because i'm interested in reading the book obviously don't mind watching something and then reading it um not one of those people but it would be interesting to see, you know, how they could flesh out that story in such a short book. But, um, yeah. So, I want to say the one thing that annoyed the heck out of me mm, is there's yes. a point where Miles is, like, just scream. There, I think there are a couple times in the movie where he's just screaming and screaming. And, oh, my God, each of those scenes seemed to last about 40 minutes. They didn't really... But I always think it's so funny because everyone complains about the kid, Samuel, and Babadook. Yeah. And boy, he is annoying. But like in this movie, I feel like it's even more like... Is it her being more sensitive to it? I don't
1: know. I think you could argue, actually, that the Babadook probably takes a lot from this movie. Um, that would be fair. Not in a... Not you know, negative or derogatory way, like, I'm not saying, Oh, they ripped this off, but one of the things that I've really grown to love about diving into old films, something I used to avoid forever when I was a young kid and was just like, no, um, is seeing that, like seeing the influences in modern stuff, especially when it's one that you knew nothing about. Like this wasn't a movie I was aware of and I hadn't seen until recently, really like that's when it was brought to my attention that I should see it and then like when you see its influence and again like what same thing when I watched the haunting the original I had seen the 90s haunting in the theater and at the time liked it um and then I've watched the 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 haunting from the 60s I'm like wow this is so much better and then I really like the haunting on on of hill house completely different take on that because it's not trying to tell that book uh the same way like at all where the movie is the movie's trying to do the book um you know haunting of hill house does the whole like futuristic and like flashback thing which i thought was really interesting yeah. um it's like I, I so the thing i like about the shows both what i've seen so far is like they take the essence of the story but then they do their own thing with it uh to extend it out into like nine episodes or whatever but the innocence um you just you can you see the the impact uh you know they it doesn't quite feel like gaslighting, but that's definitely part of the the turn of the screw thing. Like, is she going crazy because everyone's kind of messing with her or not giving her all the information? Like Miss Gross especially, like is in hard denial about everything.
0: Well, it's it it's that, but also I mean, their uncle made it very clear that good luck, you're on your own, don't bother mm-hmm. me. I don't care what happens. Um So, I mean, how are they supposed to deal with that? They need jobs, you know. They're these kids that are just flailing around. In this huge, like, lonely house. I I feel like... I love movie... I feel like some of the best horror movies are the ones that have, like, isolation in them. Like, they're just the best. They're the creepiest.
1: Well, and that's why so many modern horror movies are setting them uh just before cell phones because cell phones you know yes you might be isolated but you're like you're always in contact always with somebody um even like phones do the same thing right like where it becomes much easier to reach out to someone if you need something but uh cell phones especially because there's so many you know you're always like literally connected and it's right there with you um but like There were like okay, let's talk Miles' death at the end. If you interpret it as supernatural, his death is scary, and it it, you kind of like, I guess it quote unquote makes sense why a little boy just died because a ghost killed him. I guess, but if if it's not ghost, what happened to Miles? Did she kill him?
0: Yeah. Oh, can we talk about like the creepy like
1: kissing and stuff in this movie? I mean, yeah, uh, totally, 100%. Um,
0: it happens quite a few times, and there are...
1: He and kisses also... her on the lips early, um, which is uncomfortable, but, like... And it wasn't, like... So, sometimes, like, people kiss on the lips, and it's not, like, it's not romantic, and it's but it still creeps me out, because I'm like, I would never kiss, like, a person on their lips like that. But, like, the way he kisses her is definitely... To me, it felt like he was in, like, I want something romantic with you kind of kiss. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, it was
1: inappropriate. But her kiss at the end doesn't feel inappropriate necessarily, but, like, definitely, like, yeah, no. Again, it's, I don't know.
0: Uh, And there are, like, just little things that he says throughout the movie that are, like, weird again yeah. but also i'm wondering are did he really think say those things or was she imagining them because we don't really know like i'm forgetting his name the guy who she thinks is haunting the house quint quint that's right peter quint i can't really remember it's not but, showing
1: up on letter oh there it is yeah peter quint
0: okay um it, like we see his face like come up in the window mm. a couple times. Um, things like that, but she's the only one that we know is seeing these ghosts.
1: Yeah, because like, it looks like Flora might see, but then it's it's very much expressed that maybe not.
0: Yeah, and it always like seems like not in her focus. Like when she's sitting down by the lake or whatever it is, it's it's you know kind of like off to the side it seems to me i don't know
1: so i'm looking at this uh offscreen.com uh the innocence of subtle exploration and possible psychosis and he has a supernatural explanation um there's with that there's four possibilities one the ghosts are real and have possessed miss giddens two the ghosts are real and have possessed flora and miles in the process sending her to the brink of insanity uh, the ghosts are real and have possessed Flora Miles and Miss Giddens. Uh, Whoa. One, they can wonder, or like, can they wonder? Um, I don't understand the wording here. One, they can wonder why not Miss Gross. Like, why didn't they possess her, I guess? And the ghosts are real and are simply expressing their evil presence onto the house, uh, which affects Miss Giddens and the children, if not to the point of possession. Um, if you accept the ghosts are real, we arrive at one of more of the following meanings of events. And then a uh, natural explanation. Miss um, Giddens is having a neurotic breakdown. Yes. That's obviously, I think even built into the. Type. Okay. So that was, I was trying to remember. I, I don't remember if I, where I heard it, if it was on the criterion thing, or if I looked at something, but um, dude. So this is their second natural explanation due to Miss Giddens' sheltered life. She is sexually repressed and is being exposed to both the salacious backstory of Miss Jessel and Peter Quint and miles precocious behavior she begins to identify with miss jessel and project her sexual anxieties onto the ghost i did not read it like that at all but apparently there's a whole reading of a this lot movie, of people uh, yeah of her like sexual repression and i'm like why do we think she's repressed like where does that come from i didn't pick up on that at all and then i'm like maybe because i i don't know like am i sexually repressed like i mean not <laughs> but like you know what does that mean i don't know like i don't feel like she's like because she's not married like i guess the idea would be that she's young enough where she's ready to like find a man but there's no man there but like the there's a the movie opens with prayer and ends with the prayer so there's the implication that she's like a puritan or something along those lines i don't know for sure which religion you know but some type of I, it's well, sin, sex is a sin unless you're married kind of even, like mindset.
0: Like the way that they talk about Miss Jessel and Peter Quint that it's it pretty much it's inappropriate but we just right. turned the other way. Um, so I definitely feel like you know.
1: But was it inappropriate because like they were not married and like they I were. Feel like. Well and they were doing it like apparently where the kids could have walked in or whatever because I think that's that's I'm trying not to mix up Bly Manor now, because like Blind Manor is like, there's you catch, they get caught, and like it's a big deal. Um, and like Quint is like, a, I, I just saw the episode where Quint's like super jealous over like her tasting the guy's batter, which I just think the, the wording is funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I didn't pick up on Giddens like sexual, like I never was like, oh, she clearly just needs to, yeah. to be sexually active, like I never. Caught that when I was watching it's it, man, yeah. And of course, that's the the subjective lens thing that comes into watching a film is like you're gonna view it unless it explicitly says something, and I this movie didn't to me it about really
0: her say anything at all.
1: <laughs> no, and so like I when I was hearing that, I'm like, wait, what? Like right? I didn't pick up on any Did of you... the sexuality thing from her. Like I totally get Jessel and, and Quint were having like a re- relationship, but. That that never clicked to me that that was what bothered Giddens um, at all. But again, I'm not saying it didn't, but that was not my I, take on this film.
0: I'm not trying to be ageist or anything like that, but I definitely noticed, like, it, I wasn't Miss Jessel, like, 20 or something, and I definitely felt like Miss Giddens was older. And I... Just thought it was weird because all throughout the movie they're talking about how pretty she is, and she is a beautiful woman. But I feel like that—I mean, it was a different time. But you know what I mean for people to keep bringing up about her. I
1: how pretty she is? You mean?
0: Yeah, like, or you're much too pretty to wear glasses or spectacles or whatever. I hope you don't have to wear glasses. Um, when she goes up, I think up to the tower when Miles is at the top and she thinks mm. that she's seen him. Um, Peter Quint. Yeah.
1: Uh, There's a third reading on this. Um, So the natural explanation, I I said the first two. There's one more thing, um, less likely but possible part of the psychology is that Miles and Flora are scared by sexual, scarred, excuse me, sorry, scarred by sexual abuse, um, suffered maybe under Quentin Jessel. There is a a little bit of an implication that they saw something, um, but I didn't get the implication that they were molested or anything like that. And Uh, that he
0: was... Very impressionable by Quint and always wanted to be around him.
1: Yeah. Um, But the third option, which would completely negate either of the previous two, um, is that the whole film is in Giddens' head. And that's the opening and closing shots of her praying by herself uh, seems (laughs) to be the strong evidence of that. I don't like that because it it negates the whole experience. Uh, Anytime the, the whole movie was a dream or a fantasy doesn't feel you know, good. Like I don't like that idea whatsoever. It's like um, just
0: writing the whole thing off, but I don't know. I feel like it's a cop out.
1: Exactly. And uh, many movies do that though. So like just because we don't like it doesn't mean it couldn't have been that. But uh I, I'm not gonna take this movie for that. Man, the just the cinematography in this movie is so freaking good. Um I I want to believe the ghosts are real. Like that's kind of my take on it. Um
0: I wanna believe that it's her
1: Oh, interesting. Interesting. Uh, but because of sexual repression?
0: I wasn't thinking that at all. I just think that oh, okay. she's she's going through something. Because she... here. Here's something else. Here's another problem I have. And maybe it was because it was another time. Miss Gross, what were you doing leaving that child there unsupervised when it seemed like she thought that, you know, Miss whatever her name is i'm getting their names mixed up now why would you leave that kid there alone when you've already i felt like she had some suspicions that because we're also not sure if miss gross is like suppressing you know thinking that they're a ghost or something or Mm. if you know she just doesn't believe that it's real because there are some different things she says in the movie but i just can't believe that she leaves miles there with her unsupervised
1: well, the whole oh, that man. whole part is creepy. Like, I, I need to get him alone. You're just like, why? What is that? What? Like, there's a few things that Giddens does that I'm like, I don't understand your logic. And that's what makes me buy into I... your point. But, at, I mean, if you're terrified that there's ghosts, you might start making some questionable decisions, I suppose. So, I, Wouldn't I don't
0: Wouldn't you want to leave also, though? I would want to leave.
1: Yeah. Yeah, probably.
0: I heard something else that she has... I can't remember the exact phrase, but something to do with pedophilia, like that she has an inappropriate, you know, has inappropriate feelings towards Miles, and I didn't look into that one. Yeah,
1: I mean that ties into the repression, I would think as well, right? Like, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I I don't I don't like that angle for obvious reasons. It's not a it's not a because. I feel like you're you're supposed to be kind of on her side, and if you're vibing that that's the the case, and you can't be on her side, um, like I don't think you have to think she makes all the right decisions, mind you. But I do feel like you're not supposed to be like against her. Like I think maybe at the end of the movie you're supposed to be like, oh, she made terrible choices, but I don't know that you're supposed to think she's like the antagonist ultimately. If if like if she's a pedophile, that's I don't want to root for her at all. Like I, I cared about her well being throughout the course of this film. Like I wanted her to make it. Um, she doesn't. Uh, or at least not. Well, she does, but you know what I mean. Like she doesn't make it. She doesn't save the day, is what I would guess I'm trying to say. But yeah, she doesn't come out the hero. In 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 the turning does is it the same ending?
0: I honestly hated that movie so bad. I'm pretty sure that we laughed a few times. Sorry, fellow viewers that were with us in the theater. Um, but I was just really mad. That was the last movie we saw in theaters. Um,
1: I'm looking on Wikipedia,
0: but I feel like it all ended up. I feel like it was very clearly that it was the governess.
1: That she like kills miles or whatever.
0: Yeah. Well, that she was mentally ill. I honestly can't remember 100% though. It just wasn't a good movie. I don't need to take up brain space with that.
1: Um, And why
0: am I feeling like something happened to Flora in
1: that movie? uh, I'm still reading, but it looks like uh, Quint did not have a relationship with Jessel, but raped Jessel in The Turning. Um, (laughs) To have been Kate's vision, as she heard. Uh, Spoilers for The Turning, listener, uh, in case you care. Uh, Mr. Gross words and looked at her mother's art. She walks in on the children talking about her and becomes convinced that she sees Quint's ghost in the mirror. Insisting that Flora saw him too, despite her protest. When Kate accidentally breaks Flora's doll, Miles calls her delusional. Uh, they wa- They then walk out of the room. In Kate's imagination, she walks into her mother's institution and approaches... Fa- I forgot about the institution stuff. Because um, like Kate's got issues with her mom, right? Um, as the figure turns around, Kate screams. The face of the figure is not revealed, and it is left open to interpretation. Wait, now I feel like I did see the end of this movie. Maybe I did watch the whole thing um i don't know i know i swear i walked out of this one because i had to get kathy but that sounds really familiar maybe i like looked it up after i because i was like i'm not gonna go back to it um i like mackenzie davis a little. i actually like the three stars of that movie quite a bit but yeah was not vibing it when i was watching it um anywho uh is there anything else you want to say about the innocents um supremely
0: creepy and you don't Mm -hmm. need to make kids creepy they just you know what i mean you don't have to try hard just throw them in a horror movie
1: and i think the kids did do a really good job in this movie um oh yeah like because again and same uh, with the haunting of blind manor i think flora on blind manor is maybe a little too like like she's really good but i feel like the performance like it's too much of a performance like i see it as a performance um And I kind of feel that way, honestly, about uh, Miss Giddens in that too. I'm kind of like you. You feel like a oh, but the the driver slash chef or whatever for like the first I love him. But the first ten seconds in the car of like episode one, I thought it was Ted Mosby. Like I was like convinced. I'm like oh, they got Ted Mosby to do a British accent, and I was like oh wait, that's not that's not the actor. I know uh, Ted Mosby from How I Met Your Mother. I don't know the actor's name, Um, Josh Radnor. Oh, is that it? Wow, good for you. Uh,
0: it was uh, no, 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 no. I was googling. I was like, oh, Ted, Ted Mosby, like Mosby, yeah,
1: because like, it's the only thing I've really he's in some stuff, but that's the one thing like I know him from. Um, and his it, it the dude totally looked like him for like a few seconds. Um, and then I was like, no, wait, that's not him, but I was like convinced for a second, I was like, oh, look what I
0: he's doing. Love him so much. I just love the characters in Bly Manor so much. Like, I know that you don't like to get wrapped up in shows, but I just love getting to know them
1: i i am i do like shows it's at least i know that this is nine episodes and i can walk away from it and i think that helps me and it's also because i'm really interested in this i'm more interested into the film connection like squid game i i everyone keeps talking about it. i know i should watch it if there were a movie that led me into squid game i would totally do that because that's what happened with hill house and that's what's happening with fly manor i watched the movie i really like the movie and i wanted i like i like seeing these variations of the stories um that's why like I was tempted to dive into uh the turning just because I'm like oh but there's several like movies and books that are or not books movies and shows built around the the turn of the screw um just like there are many uh oh we haven't even mentioned Truman Capote is actually credited as a writer for this Um, oh oh that's right which is uh part of when I watched Capote, when we watched Capote, that was when I went through a lot of his filmography. I was like, Oh, the innocence is a, attached to him too. So that's cool. Um, so yeah, another big uh, reason this movie is kind of iconic is that connection. But, um, but I, I, I'm, I'm good uh, w- with the innocence. If you are as well, um, for me, it's a must see film. I, I think it's, it's a, you know, master of old horror and uh, Scorsese did not let me down with this one.
0: I am going to say that it just kills me every time you're like his 11 favorite horror films. I love that you could not pare it down
1: to 10. 10. Yeah,
0: I love it forever. And I say must see as well.
1: And uh, just listener um, the the, his. Oh, well, this is not the right thing. Um, What is the uh, I have like the list on letterbox um if you follow me on letterbox you can actually see the list of Scorsese's 11 but many of his i'd already seen but uh the haunting isle of the dead uh the entity dead of night the innocence curse of the demon or night of the demon depending on which uh version the exorcist the shining uh the changeling one of Corey's favorites and psycho um and the only one i've yet to see which we're going to be doing at the end of this month is the uninvited um that uh, that's our review of the Innocence. Next week we will be covering. Um, I'm I am having a look. I don't remember what you picked. Um, I don't either. <laughs> oh oh, it's uh, the Jim Jarmusch film Mystery Train,
0: hey, um, hey.
1: which is also on Criterion Blu-ray that we happen to have. Again, listener, this is the time to dive into the the Criterion collection because it's half it's, off.
0: Is a perfect month for us to do this because we are so guilty mm-hmm. of buying them
1: and not watching them. Like as, I I kind of. I have a lot right now too. I I bought I bought I some things. Um, I bought a box set because it was on. It was like a really good price, and it's like, but it's like seven was that movies. Criterion? Yeah or- the the Kar Y uh, box set. Was, oh, yeah, yeah. It's super nice too. Like the box set came in, and I was like, this is amazing. Um, but it's seven movies. Uh Dang. But I got it. I got it for a good price. I got it for seventy bucks, and hey. there's seven movies, so it's like ten bucks a movie. So you know, can't. And- be upset like about that
0: $200 box set movies. yeah
1: it was half off and then there was a $20 coupon on Amazon so I was like um okay yeah I'm gonna snag that while I can because it's I've Dang. not seen any one car wide movies and uh he's high all of them are like super highly rated um so I'm like that that's a whole director I needed to add to my knowledge bank so
0: I had to bring it up and it looks amazing the accordion
1: yeah it's very very up. cool I've even like uh, unwrapped it yet because it's I was just like um, I just haven't because I, I'm like, well, I know I'm not going to jump into it just yet because I'm kind of working through the Hitchcock stuff I have on on Criterion, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I need to. Uh, I actually still have to return one um, that because I bought a duplicate. Uh, so it happens when you buy them and you don't watch them, you forget that you have them. <laughs> um, anywho, uh, we'll be back next week to do our review of Mystery Train, our like fourth Jim Jarmusch Criterion episode because we've done uh, Dead Man. Uh, go- a ghost dog. Um, I feel like we did one more. Maybe it wasn't Criterion, but we we did Patterson at some point on this sh- on this series. Um, so Jarmouche has been a regular for us on these episodes. So Mystery Train makes sense uh, that we add another Jarmouche film to our our uh, film viewing history and our episode history. So tune in for that next week, listener. Um, in the meantime, you can follow us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews and Corey
0: at Corey R Star Two Hours
1: and if you like what we're doing here at Movie Club, please rate and review the podcast on whatever podcast provider you use. Um, share this and let other people know about the podcast. Say, hey, check out this movie podcast. These people do some crazy stuff. We are almost done with year five of this podcast. We've been doing this for a long while. Every year, um, I keep a list on Letterboxd if you ever want to see what movies we've watched as a part of uh this you can go to to my letterbox again just burke reviews and look through my list and um i think you should be able to see even the tags and there's a movie club tag and we have all 5 years um it's kind of crazy because uh every year has been 52 movies except for some reason in 2018 we got 53 in the way the weeks fell um but we've seen a lot
0: if it was a leap
1: year uh it was not um, 2016 was a leap year so 2020 was a leap year oh okay Um, I know that because that's uh, the first year I did Berk Reviews and I did the challenge. So I had to watch a movie a day for the entire year. I was very aware that there was an extra day that year. But um, yeah, it's cool. Like, kind of look because I also keep the list in order. So they are in the order that we watch the movies that year. Um, Like I I forgot that we started this year with Red Dawn. It feels like we watched that forever ago. (laughs) And that was this year.
0: Oh, man. Um, what a way. We sh- I should have known this year was going to... No, I'm kidding.
1: Well, like, check this out, though. So the very first episode uh, we did was Gone Girl, the David Fincher film. Um Ow. Then we did uh, year two, our first movie was Rebecca, the Alfred Hitchcock movie that you got me on, Criterion. Um, year three, uh, The Man Who Fell to Earth was the first movie we watched. Last year, uh, 2020, the first we did the Stanley Kubrick month at the beginning, and the first movie we watched oh. was The Killing and this year was red dawn. So just like looking at the first movie from each year is kind of interesting. Even, um, it, it's, it's kind of crazy. Actually, you know, let's real fast, real fast listener. We're going to dive into our memory banks here. The last movie we did for year one was, uh, it's a wonderful life because it was Christmas time. Um, last movie we did for year two was, uh, leave no trace. Cause that's when we started the through the cracks. So we've been doing through the cracks now for four years. um, just season one or year one we didn't do through the cracks um so year three last movie we watched before ending the year was her smell freaking that i can't believe that was two years ago that i love that movie um alex ross perry uh last year we ended with bill and ted face the music which was really fun um and this year well we'll tell you in in a little bit listener what we're ending with um but is again, we are going to be diving into through the cracks in the month of December. But that's you know that's all out there. All these episodes still exist. If you want to listen to them, I, I would say the quality's probably gotten much better over the years uh, as far as both the technology and also you know our comfort level with with doing this show as we've now gotten pretty routine about it. So uh, thank you, of course, if you have been listening for a long time or if you're new, thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate all of you. And until next time, we say keep watching movies hey this is matt from what i watch tonight come
0: join me in the back row for movie discussion retrospective episodes with guests director focus shows end of year rankings start of the year predictions and much much more there's more going on in the back row than you might think
1: Berk Reviews Podcast berkreviews.com